This is the Parsha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful Arab Shabbat to all of you. Great to be with you. Spend some time. Talk about the Parsha. Talk about the Torah. To take a look at the lesson of the week and try to get a lesson for life. Torah Chaim, the Torah of life, because it gives life. It not only shows us direction, but it actually gives us life. By adhering to its commandments, not only do we fulfill the will of God, much more so, we actually enable the will of God, divine energy, to enter into our own beings and bring about a great dimension of strength, of life, in the most obvious and in the greatest sense of the word. But before I begin, just to again mention, I'm sure you've heard earlier on in Chai FM, Dr. Maybrook speaking about the moment that we are going through right now, probably for the next two weeks. This is the critical moment of the pandemic here in Gauteng in particular. And it's vital that each and every one of us take every single precaution, whatever it is that we have to do, whether it's social distancing, putting on a mask, ensuring that we do whatever the medical experts ask us to do. But more so, unless it's absolutely necessary, don't leave your home. Don't leave your home, don't put yourself, and God forbid others, in any type of danger. Now is the time to be careful. Now is the time to show extra concern, extra caution. Please do so. I must tell you, the last 36 hours have been, well, very, very exciting. Throughout the world, people were commemorating yesterday the 26th yard site of the Lubavitcher Rebbe of Sainted Memory. Not only in the Chabad community, but throughout the entire world, people from every walk of life were participating in one or another program event on all sorts of platforms. Zoom was busy overtime. Literally, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people were participating in a huge event that was brought to all of us from the Ohel, the resting place of the Rebbe, in uh, Queens, New York, and throughout the day, shiurim lessons, people speaking about the greatness of the Rebbe's stories, everything inspirational here in South Africa. We've had quite a few as well, shiurim, panel discussions, people from all over the world participating in what we actually consider to be an important day, an important day not only to commemorate the past, but actually to take a lesson here and now in our lives from the teachings of the Rebbe. And as I said, people from all walks of life, I listened to Bibi Netanyahu. And what he had to say is not a day goes by that he doesn't think about the Rebbe. From his stories, we know the incredible and unique relationship he had with the Rebbe. When he was the ambassador to the United Nations, the Rebbe gave him sage, wise, powerful advice. How to survive what the Rebbe calls the house of darkness, and to ensure that Israel's prestige, Israel's security, is taken care of in the fullest sense of the word. And to this day, Bibi Netanyahu, now Prime Minister of Israel, talks about that moment he had with the Rebbe and the guidance he received and how it enabled him to actually survive the onslaught that he had faced in the United Nations and to bring the dignity of Israel to the entire world. I listened to um, President Rivlin 
spoke about the Rebbe. And he began, interestingly, by saying when the Rebbe called him, he says, when the Rebbe calls, you have to go. And the blessings he received, and the insights he received, and the love that he saw in the Rebbe. And the Rebbe was concerned about everybody, young, old, men, women, children, every walk of life, every single individual who met the Rebbe, with whom the Rebbe had contact, and far beyond, talk about the unique relationship of the Rebbe with them personally. There are tremendous amounts of videos out there telling stories called My Story, brought to you by Jim from New York. And each story talks about the unique relationship that the Rebbe had with all the people that he met and has mentioned before, far beyond. And this is something which is important for us to understand because we're not only commemorating the life of a great leader, we're talking about an eternal lesson of how this continues, how this carries on, how this goes far beyond the limitation of time and space of his own life and goes into a category of being timeless, far beyond. And as we see that his influence on the world today goes far beyond any type of possible imagination wherever in the world, wherever in the world you have a Jewish community of any size, there will be a Chabad Shliach, there will be a Chabad house in so many places around the world to remind us that caring acts of goodness and kindness are not mere theories, not a philosophy, it's a practicality to be expressed each and every single day of our lives. And this is why it's interesting to note that more than often the story of the Parsha, this week's Korach, takes place at the same week, the same time of the Rebbe's yard site. What was Korach? Who was Korach? Korach, of course, was the one who led the great rebellion against Moshe Rabbeinu. He questioned the authenticity of the leadership of Moshe. He questioned the authenticity of the priesthood of Aaron. He wanted to bring about a total revolution, total upheaval in the Jewish community by destroying the concept of leadership, of divinely appointed leadership. And as I said, it's a bit strange that this place takes place during the week of the Rebbe's Yerzeit, because the Rebbe brought about this tremendous sense of unity. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Back to the Parsha. The Parsha is Korach. Korach. Vayikach Korach. What did Korach do? He set himself aside. He brought about fragmentation in the Jewish community, where there was order where there was a sense of knowledge that everything is proper, everything is correct, everything has its place. The intention of Korach was to create upheaval, was to create disunity in place of unity. And not because he was a stupid man, he was a very clever person. Our sages tell us, he was an exceptionally sharp person. What prompted him to do something so foolish, so stupid, that not only brought about his end, but also the end of all those who sided with him. But more of that soon. This is the Pasha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. As we take a look at the text, right at the beginning of the Pasha, it says, Vayikach Korach, and the commentaries, and the great sages tell us, what does Vayikach mean? He took himself, he took himself to the side, the it paleg, says Uncleus. And that means not only did he disassociate himself from the leadership 
of Moshe, with Moses and Aaron. But the Eat Paleg, he moved into the community, the entire community, and tried to create a move, a political movement of fragmentation, of confrontation, of argument. He sensed that the unity the Jewish people were experiencing would never allow him to rise to any position of power. Korach, after all, was a first cousin to Moshe. And he turns to Moshe with a very legitimate argument, or so it may seem. He says to Moshe, how come you and your brother have taken all positions of power? You're the leader, you're the Nasi, Aaron is the high priest, you've taken priesthood and leadership monarchy for yourselves. And every single time throughout history, when we find people who speak about the concept of unity from a political point of view, after all, there is an underlying sinister motive. They are looking for power themselves. They are going to try and create a situation of revolutionary thinking, of fragmentation, in order that the people begin to follow them, but very soon thereafter. They create a totalitarian society in which they become ruthless leaders far more than the powers that preceded them. Karach had the same intention here. Karach wanted to create a sense of anger against Moshe and Aaron. Who are you to rule? A sense of revolutionary thinking and thereby create a political movement that he would ultimately benefit from. And this is why when we take a look at the story as it continues, and we know the story, how was he punished? He was punished where the earth opened its mouth, so to speak. The earth actually opened its mouth and swallowed Korach, his family, and his henchmen. And if we take a look at the text again, what happens over there? Moshe stands there in front of all of them and he says that if in fact God will create something new, if God will bring into the world something never seen before and punish these people in that way, that will be a proof, proof positive, that God has ordained the position of Moshe and Aaron. And in fact, Korach is not only a revolutionary, he is someone who's trying to destroy the concept of unity. And what happens? The earth opens up. This incredible miracle, something that was created at the twilight hour on the creation on the sixth day. Now the twilight, we call twilight a certain amount of time. But the actual moment of twilight, there is a specific instant, a split second, which is the middle point, which is the dividing point between day and night. Not only was it a new creation, this was brought about right at the beginning. We can never pinpoint that second as we can never truly pinpoint any moment in time and hold on to it. But this incredible, strange phenomenon of the mouth of the earth was created at a time which cannot be measured in real time because it has an infinite dimension. Because Moshe understood full well not only the fact that Korah had sinister motives in trying to attain, achieve power for himself, to grab power for himself, what Moshe knew is that this is actually an act against God. While in fact the terminology of Korah makes a lot of sense politically to some people who don't know better. But Moshe fully understood that but this is an act against God because Korach was trying to disprove the fundamental aspect of our faith that God created 
heaven and earth and everything in it with a purpose. When we speak about difference, Korach says, why do we have to have differences among people? We are all holy. We are all special. Each and every one of us. He calls for unity, but that type of unity is actually fragmentation. What is real unity? Real unity is where everything has a place. Everything has a purpose. Imagine walking along the beach, mile, kilometer after kilometer of sand. Now, can you imagine if you actually were able to look at those many kilometers of sand and to realize that each grain of sand, each particle, had its own purpose, had its own mission on God's earth? We just take it for granted. The edge of the water, the beach, there's sand, miles and miles, kilometers of sand. If we stop for a moment and say, God created each and every single grain of sand, and each and every single grain of sand has its purpose, it would boggle the mind. But this, in fact, is the concept of creation. The concept of creation is not that God created the world, that God created every single micro detail of the world and gave it purpose. And that's what unity is all about. When each and every single micro detail of all of creation, not only earth, but, well, beyond the universe and beyond all of creation, even the spiritual realms, each detail has its purpose. That's when, that's when you have true unity. True unity is not when you throw a bunch of things together. True unity is when everything within that entire structure, superstructure, every single detail, every single grain of sand, and by extension, of course, every single person has a unique and different and special purpose. That's what unity is all about. What's fragmentation? Fragmentation is where every single thing is off on its own. It's every man, woman, child for themselves and by themselves. Yes, it looks fine. It looks like a society, but basically it's a group of individuals living for themselves and by themselves, creating the illusion of unity. And this is why Mushes says, we have to have something that came to us from the beginning of creation because this is what we have to stamp upon the world. This is what we have to inject in the heart of each and every single individual, the absolute conviction and faith that God created the world. Because if the world came about as a result of random activities over zillions of years, as the evolutionaries would like us to believe, then nothing has purpose. You can do whatever you want. There was no ultimate authority. There's no creator. There's no purpose. Our acts at best are social behavior and it's worse, treacherous. Revolution. Moshe is trying to establish order in order to establish a sense of purpose in each and every single thing. Contrary to what Korach is saying. Why have you grabbed leadership for yourself? Moshe is saying you don't get it. We are here to teach each and every single individual how special, how precious, how unique they are, and how each and every single individual has something of incredible value and ultimate purpose without which you cannot have unity in the world. This is the great argument between Moshe and Korach. Korach uses smooth language. Korach uses terminology that resonates within the ears of people. It's very difficult to tell the truth sometimes because truth might sound initially a bit harsh. Moshe says, of course there are differences between people. In fact, every single human being is different than the other. We might look the same. We have similar features. 
but we have unique features. My face is my face and your face is your face. And so it is within the inner context of the individual. We are all made up of a particular type of structure. We are all made up not only of a structure, but that God gave each and every one of us a purpose. And while, of course, we are obligated to live together, to share, to care about each other, and that is absolutely necessary at the same time, each and every one of us, every man, woman, child, each and every single one of us has a unique purpose. Because unity is the combination of every single different, different element within the ultimate structure of the overall. And this is why Moshe talks about creation. Creation tells us everything is created and constantly recreated through the process of divine individual providence. Each and every single detail of the world, as the famous of the Valshem that kind of leaf pulled down from the tree and covers an ant who's crawling across the ground and to shade it from the burning sun. Each and every fall of each and every single leaf, each and every single movement of each and every single creature, even a tiny, tiny ant has purpose, has divine purpose, and ultimately contributes with incredible measure to the overall unity of the world. And this is what this Parsha is all about. This Parsha is here to talk to us of how each and every one of us, you and me and everyone that we know and far beyond in the past and ultimately to the end of time, each and every one of us, a creation of God, a special, unique creation of God, has something of great purpose to contribute, without which the world remains incomplete. More of that soon. This is the Pasha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. And this is what it's all about. Societies that believe the world came about by random, accidental, electric and chemical interactions of molecules, foolish though it may sound, has resulted in societies that have, well, unfortunately, those terrible atrocities against each other and against others outside. With God as creator, not only did he bring us into being, he told us how to behave, and gave us a specific set of rules in order to ensure that mankind can continue to live safely and good. Korach tried to bring about fragmentation, rare power, deny the authority of God, and reduce the world to an accidental mess. Whereas Moshe speaks in the name of true unity, and true unity is the perfect composition of every single detail. True unity in the world is the perfect composition of every single element of the world. Fragmentation, everyone's off on his own. Looks good, dangerous, and destructive. Which brings me back to how I started the show, talking about the Rebbe. What drew and draws thousands, millions of people to the teachings of the Rebbe, to the wisdom of the Rebbe. And that is that not only was the Rebbe a great leader in the conventional sense, not only was the Rebbe an Ohev Yisrael who loved each and every single one without qualification, what draws them and drew them to the Rebbe 
is the tremendous sense of recognition as to how the Rebbe looked at every single individual. And that is that every single individual has a purpose. Every single individual has a divine purpose. Every single individual is placed upon earth, of course, to do a great many things that are similar to each other. But there's one specific act that only that individual can contribute to all of creation. Whenever the Rebbe met somebody, he drew out from within that individual the recognition that they are special, they are unique, they are extraordinary. In every single encounter, what the Rebbe speaks about is how every single individual has a specific and divine and eternal purpose. How every single individual can move out of his limited set of conditions, sometimes imposed by others and often imposed by herself, and to become someone great. Because great is not defined in terms of wealth and political power or strength. Greatness is defined by being yourself and doing what you as a specific individual can do. The Rebbe chose leaders. And yet again to quote former chief rabbi of the United Kingdom, Jonathan Sachs, who himself was a disciple of the Rebbe, speaks about the greatness of the Rebbe. The Rebbe did not create followers as many leaders do. The Rebbe created leaders. And not only specific individuals to become leaders. The Rebbe tried to make every single individual a leader. A leader within his home, within his society, within himself. But to feel that passion, that intensity of being unique and strong. And not unique in the sense that you separate yourself from others, but unique in the sense that brings you together with everybody else in the fullest sense of the word. This is something that we have to try and understand and to emulate when we meet somebody. What we have to do to people is to empower them with a sense of responsible self. You are a leader. You are someone who is able to do great things. Yes, of course, Korach and the philosophies that follow Korach will promise you all sorts of wonderful things. They will deliver on none, ultimately destroy it. You have to listen to the word of an authentic leader like Moshe, who is in fact brought about to a position of leadership by none other than God himself. This is what a Rebbe is. A Rebbe teaches that sort of behavior, that sort of wisdom, and that sort of strength. And this is why the last 36 hours have been so incredibly uplifting, listening to people, leaders, teachers, rabbis, laymen, men, women, even children, that tell that story in terms of their life. That's the story of the Rebbe. It's the story of the Rebbe that touches each and every one of us. And this is why when you're sitting home tomorrow in your own little shul at home and read the Parsha, try to understand the sinister motives of Korach. Try to understand the true leadership of Moshe. Try to understand how it applies to your own life. Make it real. Become a leader. Become strong. Become great. Have a good Shabbos.